Today is um, a little different service because uh, we have a focus point of something that we do not do very often in this church, and it is by design, uh, and that is communion. I don't think it is wrong to do it every service, but I don't ever want to take something for granted that when I read in Scripture, it is very sacred, it is very holy, it is very powerful, and it has great blessing and it has great consequence. So we intentionally do not do it every Sunday, but we do it a couple times a year. And it basically, we take time and do a Bible study to go through the significance, the importance of what this is and what this is about. And uh, typically, we've do, done it in the evenings, and uh, we'll have a candle that serves. We'll have candles all over, and uh, we focus solely on that. We don't really have a worship set. Um, but today, we're not having 100 candles everywhere because there's light outside. And so we just have a couple candles, and usually we set up candles across here. But with uh, praise and worship people moving, last thing we need, uh, we want the Holy Ghost fire. We just don't want a strange fire falling on the carpet and on the chairs and lighting this place up. Uh, even though maybe our insurance policy would bless us tremendously, and we could lower the roof and save on heating expenses. But we don't want to experiment with that, so uh, we have uh, reduced our amount of candles for this service. But if you want to follow along, if you have your Bibles, we're going to read through a number of verses here. And as we focus on our new year and this communion service, and we will transition where we will have anyone that would like to come get uh, a battery-operated candle. And uh, let's, let's focus and prefer our children uh, first. And then uh, adults, if you want to hold an electronic candle, you're more than welcome to. Just don't knock over a child as we do this. But uh, we are going to focus here as we turn our attention to John chapter 1 and verse 1. And we're going to read through a lot of verses. I'm not in a rush because I do not want to rush what we are about to do. If you have things to do, I understand. And you could, you could exit as you need to exit. But I am, as I said, not going to be pressured by time. I want to make the most of this time of what we are about to do. John chapter 1 and verse 1. The word of the Lord says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And if you wonder what this Word is, the Word was God. It goes on to expound on the Word, that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In verse 4, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Someone say light. This one that we are reading about is none other than Jesus Christ. He is the word of God. He is the word made flesh. He is the word that walked amongst us. And this word was the life and the light of men. And when Jesus entered into this earth, the Bible says the light shined into darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. It's not that it could not figure it out. It was impossible for it to even come up against it. The light overcame the darkness. No matter how dark darkness is, light will always prevail. 
And we go on here in the book of Matthew, chapter 4, in verse 16. It talks about the people of that day that are no different than the people of this day that sit in darkness. But when Jesus was there, they saw great light. Someone say light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light was sprung up. In the midst of a dark place, in a dark time that people lived in, Jesus walked that land. Jesus walked that vicinity. And light began to protrude. Light began to pierce every dark corner. And in John chapter 9 and verse 5, Jesus spoke these words. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as God manifests in the flesh, Jesus Christ on earth, as long as he was alive in flesh on this earth, he was the light to this earth. But Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again. And then the Bible declares that he ascended into the heavens. Jesus says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus rose again. And so now the words of what Jesus spoke to his followers come alive now. He says, you, you disciples, you followers, you are the light of the world. And a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it gives light unto all that are in the house. So let your light so shine. Someone say, let your light shine. The light, Jesus Christ living within you is to shine before people so they can see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. You hear the statement of people making this uh, declaration, you know, you can't judge me. Jesus is on my heart. God looks on the inward. And that is one million percent true. And that should actually create more reverent fear inside of us because externally we can't hide things too well, but internally we can hide a lot. And Jesus is in this heart and he sees every corner of my heart. And being that he is there and being that the candle of the Lord looks on the inside, I should be fearful about what is on the inside. But as a believer, I should not keep Jesus on the inside. I should let Jesus live beyond my heart, beyond the inside of my soul. I should let my light, my Jesus, so shine. The Bible says that light are the good works that glorify the Father. We have some candles lit here today representing Jesus, the light. These candles in the front here that are let yet to be lit, they represent you and I. And they need to fulfill what Jesus commissioned the church to do is that light that is within you, the capacity, the wherewithal that God put inside of you. You know, the Bible says that now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think is according to the power that worketh in us. There is a power inside of every Holy Ghost filled believer. It is the power of God. And we ought not to keep that power within. We should let it shine and go forth and go out. But when this life makes contact with Jesus, as Pastor Jared 
mention at the conclusion of the altar call last week as they held a candle. It is ridiculous for somebody to light a candle and then just to keep some sort of basket or bushel over it. The purpose of it being lit is for the light to go forth, for others to see and for you to see the path that you go. But as you near people, you help them to realize where they have been, where they have been living and what they have been stumbling in. And when we do this, God is glorified. In this dark world, we need more of God's light. I'd like to give some instruction here as we're about to grab some candles. I would like for all of us to stand together as we are going to say a prayer and make a commitment. Now, if you, I don't know if there's enough candles here as there are to bodies that are in this room. I apologize if there are not. But if you are unable to grab one of these candles, that does not signify that you cannot let your light so shine, okay? So please don't be offended if that ends up being the case. But what we do need to make a conscious decision right now is whatever kind of year you had last year, what kind of year do you want this year? At what level did you let your light shine in 2020? And I believe there's not a single person in this room that could honestly say that they probably couldn't have shed a little more light last year. Whatever amount of light you let shine in the year, I thank God for it. And I celebrate with you. But I want in this day and hour which we are living where darkness is encroaching and darkness is ensuing. I don't want darkness to outrun and outpace the children of light. Someone say amen. And so if you would like your light to shine a little brighter this year, I invite you to come forward and grab a candle and you could turn it on and make your way back to your seat as you are seated, as you make your way forward. I want us to pray together as we're going to move forward here. God, I thank you for 2020. Lord, I know that I personally have complained. I've uttered, Lord, the things that have disappointed me and frustrated me. But, God, I have learned to thank you. I have learned to thank you for that year, God, because, Lord, I know that I have been stretched. I know I've been tried by the fire. And, Lord, I know that at the end of the year, myself and those in this church that have made it through, God, we are stronger and we are better for it. But, God, I don't want to settle, Lord, for last year and years prior. I want this new year. I want my light to shine. And, Jesus, I can do of my own self nothing, Lord, but I can do all things through Christ that strengtheneth me. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that your spirit would be mighty upon us this year. Your grace is sufficient, Lord, in the hour that we may feel weak in this world, God, may be frail. I believe, God, your grace can be the strongest in your light can shine the brightest. And God, we have a resolute mind here together. One mind, one accord, one place, and a unified joint effort. We are determined to work together, not against each other, but as the body of Christ, hand and arm, foot and leg, eyes and ears. Lord, we join together for one purpose, and that is to let the light of Jesus Christ shine in 2021. Lord, you are coming back. And I pray, God, when you come back, you would come back for a church that is well illuminated. I pray, God, that you come back for a church that has 
grown over the year. God, that has reached more than the year before. We are determined to do that together this year. And if that is your prayer, would you say amen? You may be seated. We read in the Bible in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man, any person be in Christ, they are a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God is preparing a new thing this new year. And to make it to that new place, you and I, we must walk, as the Bible says in Romans 6, 4, in the newness of life. Whatever last year was and whatever the old life was, I know that it is set in the minds and culture across this planet when a new year, it's like the dawn of a new day, but truly it's really no different. It's just timing, time moving forward. But I am thankful for calendar dates that do cause people to pause, to think, to reflect, and to consider and contemplate the decisions that they have before them. And we as Pastor Jared mentioned earlier in service, some people make, you know, uh, resolutions about weight loss. And I think a great resolution might be found in Hebrews chapter 12 that we'll lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. That's the greatest weight you and I can lose this year are the things that slow us down in our walk with God. Some things are sin, some things are not sin. But if it's slowing me down from letting the light of Jesus Christ shine, I want to remove that weight. I want to remove that cover because I want to shine effectively for Jesus Christ this year. This new year demands new commitments. Every year seems to be different than the year before. But I'm telling you, these years recently seem to be moving at an ever accelerated rate. It is because we are living in the last days. It is because Jesus Christ is coming back. And I know if he's coming back that there are people excited to meet him. But there are people on this planet that don't have a clue that he is coming back. And that he is looking for a bride. And if we are not part of that bride, we will be lost. And I want to reach the lost for the name of Jesus Christ. I want us to make a new commitment to more of Jesus this year. It is, you don't have to be a rocket science. You don't even have to be a big student of um, society. But you could just look out your window. You can just go to the school and realize that sin just seems to be abounding. But the Bible declares wherever sin abounds, God's grace does much more abound. However big and bad of an addiction and struggle that you may have been facing and fighting in your family, in your life, or the things that you see all around you, however big it is, that's how much more bigger God is going to be. Wherever sin abounds, God's grace does much more abound. Is there anyone thankful for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you clap your hands to the Lord? The Bible declares in Luke chapter 22 and verse 13, Luke chapter 22 and verse 13. And they went and they found, as he said, 
Whatever Jesus says, you're going to find it just like he declared it to be. And the Bible says that they made ready the Passover. These are the closing moments that Jesus is having with the disciples. And he's having a last meal with them. And in verse 14, Jesus begins to talk with them. And this is what he says. When the hour has come, he sat down with the 12 apostles with him. And he said, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you. And I want you to know we serve a God that his desire is toward us. This moment that is upon us right now, God has desired to meet us in this moment, to be with you before the great suffering, as he told the apostles. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks and he break it. He gave unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper saying this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. A couple things I'd like to give commentary and clarity to that Jesus is standing in front of the disciples in that moment. And he holds that bread and he says, this is my body and it is broken for you. Jesus was speaking figuratively. It was not his literal body. It was an example. It was an illustration. For if it was literal, the body of Jesus was still there in front of him and it had not been broken. But the bread was broken in front of them and the bread represented his body. And then Jesus said the same thing about the, the wine as he, he held that out and he began to speak about it. He says, this is my blood. It was not literally his blood. It was symbolically his blood. I pause to make that commentary because there are different teachings and ideas of what happens at the sacrament of the Last Supper or communion. There are those that teach and preach that when we take communion, it is the literal body and flesh of Jesus that you are eating and consuming and that it turns into the literal blood of Jesus that you are eating and consuming. But that is not true. It is symbolic. I'm not here to bash any that may believe that, but I want to give biblical clarity as to what is happening in this place here today. This is a representation. This is symbolic. This represents what Jesus did for us. And this representation is the New Testament. It is the new covenant. The possibility of a new year is because of a New Testament. The word testament simply is a contract or a covenant or an agreement. You know, this idea of this New Testament, this idea of a new year, they're very closely connected because all of time revolves around this one central figure, 
B.C. and A.D. Now you can change the uh, abbreviation and you could change the words and call it A.E. or whatever to try to ease the conscience to separate and differentiate the spiritual reality of what occurred. But nevertheless, may it not be mistaken or overlooked. This is what happened in this moment of time. Jesus was born of a virgin. He walked this earth. He taught. He preached. He had this last supper. All of time revolves around this moment. And as we focus on a new year, I think it is appropriate we focus on this New Testament, on this new covenant, on this one central figure. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus gives us this contract. Jesus gives us this covenant. Jesus is God and he is in contract with us. And he is calling for us to be in contract with him. Why did Jesus do communion at the Last Supper? As I mentioned a moment ago, it was to illustrate and to help us to receive and understand. And in the name of Jesus, grasp a revelation and receive a revelation of God's incarnation. We go through this Bible study here today in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. The Bible says this, that almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. This is the writer in the New Testament helping us to understand the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Old Contract. That everything had to do with the blood. Without the blood, you could not have and find that forgiveness. Blood was a powerful, powerful part of the relationship with God and his people. Because the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 11 that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And God has given it for them upon the altar to make an atonement. Someone say atonement. That word atonement means to cover. God's blood that he's speaking about here, the blood of an animal sacrifice was to make an atonement for the human soul because it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Our soul was separated from relationship with God. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve sinned against God. And they were separated from that relationship with God. And the Bible says that they they tried to hide from God. They covered themselves. They ran from the presence of God. And sin so often does that. When we make an error, when we make a mistake, it's some, some, most times people don't draw to God. They run from God out of fear, out of shame, out of guilt, out of condemnation. And we do things our way to cover up our mistakes. And Adam and Eve, they found provision to cover themselves with leaves and plants life. But the Bible says God looked for them. God called out their names. I'm so thankful for a God that when we make a mistake, he does not leave you to yourself to try to fix it by yourself. But God comes looking for you and he comes calling your name and he says, where are you? Where are you? And he simply wants a response. God knows your geographical location. 
God knows your spiritual condition, but God just wants you to hear your voice calling out back to him. This is where I'm at. And this is the condition I am in. And so it is that Adam and Eve call back out to God and this conversation, this dialogue takes place. But the Bible says that God saw that their covering was insufficient. So he made them animal skins. Now, not too difficult to figure out where do you get animal skins from? You get them from animals. And how do you get the skin of an animal? There's a slain. There is a sacrifice of life. There is a shedding of blood. And the blood was shed of these animals to make a covering for Adam and Eve. It is the first example given to us in Scripture of the path that God was going to choose to work between a holy God and an unholy people. God says this is the path, the mode and the means in which I am going to pursue sinners that have separated themselves from a holy God. But we read here with understanding in Hebrews 10, 4, it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Basically, those animal sacrifices in the Old Testament, it's impossible for an animal to forgive our sins. It could have a momentary covering that God made provision for. But it was for the purpose of displaying his grand plan. An animal cannot die for your sins. An animal cannot wash away your sins. And so the Bible says in verse 1 of Hebrews 10, the law, the Old Testament, the old year, the prior years, the old contract, the old agreement was simply a shadow of things to come. It wasn't the very image of those things. And what that's saying is basically when you look at a shadow, the shadow is not the physical property. If you follow the shadow, it will lead you to the actual image itself. And so the Old Testament is one big giant shadow of things to come. And you just keep following that shadow throughout Scripture. And you keep following that shadow throughout the Old Testament. And eventually you come to the new covenant. You come to the new Testament. You come to the image itself. You come to the actual point of what God was saying all along. And so it declares here that those, um, sacrifices never, never, they can be offered year by year continually, but they never ever could take away the sins of people. It had to be a blood sacrifice to cover sins. But the Bible says in the New Testament about God in verse 24, that God is a spirit. What could ever wash away our sins if a spotless animal could not do it. The only thing that is holy and perfect and sacred and powerful and awesome is God. But God initiated and he declared that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. But how can the holy pour out blood if the holy 
is without physical property. The holy is without material. The holy is not tangible. The holy is invisible. The holy is a spirit. But it goes on. Paul explains. I believe he happens to be the writer in the book of Hebrews. Just my personal opinion. But he says in verse 5 in chapter 10. When he cometh into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not. But a body thou hast prepared me. The animal sacrifices weren't enough. The blood of animals wasn't enough. So God says there's only one that is enough, but that one does not have a body. So I will prepare a body. I will make a sacrificial lamb myself. And so we read in John chapter one and verse 29, this Jesus grows up. And as he grows up, John the Baptist sees him in the distance. And this is what Jesus or John says about Jesus. Behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist looked at Jesus and he says, more than a man, he represents a lamb more than a human. He represents that perfect spotless sacrifice that the old Testament could not take care of my sins, but more than a lamb, he was Lord. He was deity. He was God incarnate for the word declares in first Timothy, 316 without controversy great is the mystery of godliness god was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit seen of angels preached to the gentiles believed on the world received up in glory hallelujah to wit that god was in christ Christ, the Lamb of God. He was God in the form of a lamb. God in the form of a man. God prepared a body for there to be a blood sacrifice. And look at this. It's very important. I'm, we're almost there. But again, I'm not in a rush either. In 2 Corinthians five nineteen, the purpose of God in Christ. The key word is reconciliation. Adam and Eve lost relationship with God. They can know him at a distance or a peripheral. They can know him in certain ways. And you see it progress throughout the Old Testament. But ultimately, God says, I want to reconcile. I want to bring sinners, mankind, back in relationship with God. I want to reinstate them in relationship with me. Because I don't want just to see their sins pushed back another year. I want their sins to be taken care of so they can be with me eternally. God's not interested in just pushing back another calendar year so you can feel good about this present year. God, he wants to take care of your sin once and for all. God wants to completely take your sins and spread them as far as the east is from the west. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? For the word declares that unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. This child, this son. It is a prophecy of the birth of Jesus. And who is this child? Who is this son? Who is this Jesus? He is wonderful. He is counselor. 
He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting father. That's who this child is. More than a child, more than a man, he's a lamb. And more than a lamb, he is the mighty God. He is the everlasting father. And why this is so important is this mighty God, this everlasting father, this this lamb on earth was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace. You want peace? It was this, it's upon him. And with his stripes, meaning the beating that Jesus took, his beating is for our healing. And here's the revelation, the culmination and understanding of the power of God on earth. Jesus. Paul says, take heed to yourselves, to the flock, which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. To feed the church of God. Someone say the church of God. This church of God, he hath purchased with his own blood. This is how God made a transaction for your soul. The prophecy you're familiar with, Isaiah 7, 14. It's declared again in the New Testament in Matthew 1, 23, as the angel of the Lord speaks. He says, behold, a virgin shall conceive and be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? The interpretation is God with us. Jesus Christ was God with us. And as we read what his cousin John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. It's the blood of Jesus that purchased us. I want us to remember Jesus this year. That you and I, we are living on borrowed time. We are only alive and breathing today because there's been a transaction made. There's been a purchase made. And we are living in the church age because Jesus Christ. And what we read about in the beginning, that last supper with the apostles. We're about to do two things that happened just prior to the betrayal and death of Jesus. Both of them are strange, and both of them are symbolic. So much strange that we're not going to read through these verses, but you can look later. In John chapter 6, Jesus talks about his blood and his flesh. And scholars, whatever that means, that study the ancient times and the, the day and age in which Jesus was, they estimate that John chapter 6 was the largest gathering that Jesus had of believers. But in that largest gathering, it ended up being the largest winnowing or separating. Because he began to talk about his body. He began to talk about his blood. And people were weirded out by it. People were offended by it. People misunderstood it. People disagreed with it. And they walked away from it. And in that moment, this moment where Jesus sees so many walk away, he turns to his disciples and he said, Will you also go away? And Peter says those words back to him that I love so much. He says, where else can we go, Jesus? You alone have the words of eternal life. We're about to take part of the body 
and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a strange concept, but it is biblical and it is symbolic, but it does carry consequence. And this moment that we're about to be a part of, it does not have the ability to save your soul. But for whatever unique reason, the Bible says it can condemn it if you don't understand it and you don't take part of it properly. That is why we take our time here. And we're going to read through these scriptures as the Apostle Paul taught the church about communion. Look very carefully and listen very carefully before we have this moment here. First Corinthians 11 in verse 20, when you come together as we are right now in one place, this is not to eat a meal, he's saying. This big meal where we're going to get stuffed. That's not the purpose of this. For in eating, everyone takes before other his own supper. One is hungry, another is drunken. He is addressing a church that misrepresented and did communion inappropriately. And so he's correcting this wrong. And he says, what? Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. For I have received of the Lord that which also I deliver to you. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he break it. He took it. And he said, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it. Meaning that it was going to happen more than the moment they just shared there together. It was something the church was to do from there on out. But he says, when you do it, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are showing the Lord's death until he come back. In verse 27, wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord, listen carefully, unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And so here is our solution. Let every person examine himself. Then let him eat that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And Paul says this to the church. This is the reason why that there are those that are weak and sickly among you. And many sleep, meaning they have died because they have done this perversely. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. That's a powerful verse right there. People that worry about others judging you, if you properly judge yourself, you don't have to worry about that. If you are properly praying daily and asking God to search your heart and ask him to forgive your sins and surrender it to him and yield to him, you don't have to worry about judgment. We have the responsibility to examine ourselves, not on a Sunday basis, not on an Easter basis, not on a Christmas basis, but on a daily basis, you and I should talk to the Lord and examine ourselves. I think that would be a wise thing to do in 2021 if you haven't typically done that in 2020 or years prior. Make every day a Sunday, if you will. Make every day an altar of judging yourself and examining yourself, saying, God, 
turn on the light of heaven, shine through my soul and reveal to me that which I need to work on. And by your grace, this is going to be worked on. And by your grace, things will be made new. Let's stand together. At this time, I would like for those who would want to participate in communion to come forward. I encourage you to come forward. I hope I did not scare you away. But at the same time, I do want it to be reverent. And that's the purpose of it. And if you understood what was preached and taught here these past, I don't know, 30 minutes or so, however long we've been going through these scriptures. And if you are ready to ask God to forgive you of your sins and to clean your heart, you are welcome to be a part of this. Now, if you want to be cautious and talk more about it later, I'm happy to do that with you. But I want to encourage as many as possible to come forward that want to ask God for a year this year that they're going to give to the Lord and that they're going to ask God to forgive them in this moment and to create in them a clean heart and to renew a right spirit. Because you don't have to take 20 weeks of prayer to maybe be made right with God in one single moment. You know how fast the grace of God is? You know how fast forgiveness is? It's been clocked at the speed of confession. That's how powerful it is. That's how quick it is. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if any man would confess his sins, God is faithful and just to cleanse us of all of our sins and all of our unrighteousness. Jesus Christ is here right now, and he loves every single person in this room under the sound of my voice. And he is ready, willing, and excited to forgive you in this moment and to help you have a fantastic year if you are willing to give your life in focus to him this year, saying, God, I, I, I know I'm not perfect, God, but I want this year. I want day by day to get in proximity to you. I want to get closer to you. I want to know you more. I want to be like you. And God, if I've not been filled with your spirit yet, Lord, my goal this year is I want to be baptized with the Holy Ghost this year. But it all starts right here, right now with repentance and clearing of conscience and being made right with you, God, in forgiveness and confession. Hallelujah. At this time, as we are coming forward, we have read the sacredness and the severity of this sacrament. And we are here to remember the Lord's death, but we need to repent of our sins. We must examine ourselves. It's the best way you could start a new year is clean and sober. You know how the, the world starts off their year wasted and out right just in a pounding headache. But the church says, I want to start off clean and sober. God wants you to be in his image. I want us to pray right now for the next few moments. I don't know if it's going to be 30 seconds, a minute, five minutes, but I want us to pray however long it needs for this next moment that God will create in us a clean heart. As we're about to participate here in the Lord's Supper and communion, I want us to examine ourselves. And I want you to talk to God and say, God, search my heart. God, clean my heart and begin to use your words because it's your walk with God. It's your relationship with God. It's your heart. Let us begin to pray right now, church. In the name of Jesus, I thank you for 2020. And God, I thank you for 2,000 years ago, that moment of your birth and that moment called Calvary and that moment called the resurrection. And I thank you, Jesus, for that moment you had with the apostles and you illustrated to them what your body, what your blood represented. And Jesus, we are here today today 
to remember your death until you come. And we are here right now in this moment, Lord, as it is set in our mind, a new day, a new calendar year, Lord, that we want to start this year off right. But not just a moment. I pray this be a momentum. I pray this would be an ongoing lifestyle, God, that day by day by day by day, there is a purifying, there is a cleansing, there is a submitting of our flesh, God. Lord, there is a repentance about us. Lord, I pray right now that you would create in me a clean heart, oh God. I pray that you would renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me, God. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. I thank you for dying for my sins and I don't want your blood to be in vain in my life. I don't want your death to be in vain in my life. I don't want your resurrection to be for naught in my soul. But today, God, I ask for forgiveness. Today, God, I ask for renewing. Today, God, I ask for a purifying, a purging of my soul. Cleanse me and purify me, Jesus. I want to live for you, God. I want to live for you wholly, devoted, completely submitted to you, Jesus. I give my everything and my all. You said to love you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, and with all my strength, God. That is what I'm determined to do. Search me, Jesus. If there be any odd in me, if there be any offense in me, if there be any pride in me, if there be any unforgiveness in me, if there be any bitterness in me, Lord, if there be any arrogance in me, Lord, if there be any perversion in me, Lord, if there be any lie in me, if there be any deceit in me, I ask that you would purge me right now. I pray that you would cleanse me right now, Jesus. I don't want sin in my life. Lord, I want your blood to be applied to my heart today. Purge me. Cleanse me. Lord, I pray, make me white as snow. In the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Someone say in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Henry, if you could help me and you could get the bread, please. Henry is going to Come around for those who would like to participate. And parents, if you have young children, it's at your discretion. But definitely if your child has been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, I believe they're a candidate to be a part of it. But again, conversation between you and your child, we don't force anyone to do anything here. We simply present the teaching and the opportunity. And remember, this is symbolic. This is a representation. Because if it was literal, we'd have to do everything the exact same way as they did back then with the same ingredients. But we don't know if it was white grapes. We don't know if it was red grapes. We don't know all the ingredients to everything there. It's simply a representation. And we do choose here to use grape juice. And if that offends you or bothers you, I could explain to you some of the reasoning as to why we do that. But it doesn't matter if it is wine or if it is juice. It is symbolic here. It is symbolic. Is that understood? We're not here to try to split hairs over ingredients. We're here to simply remember the death of the Lord and his body until we come, until he comes. 
And we read verse 24. It says, when he had given thanks, he break it. He said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. I would like everybody to take that wafer and go ahead and eat that. In verse 25, it says, after the same manner, and Henry's going to be coming around. If you are going to participate, just get his attention and he will get you a cup. After the same manner, also he took the cup. When he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. This is a powerful moment that Jesus is sharing with the apostles, very personal. And remember the temperament in which Jesus addressed me. He says, with desire, I have desired to have this moment with you. I do believe that Jesus has desired to have this moment with us here today. As we have symbolically eaten the wafer as a symbol of the body of Jesus being broken. And we are about to participate in the drink that represents the blood that was shed of Jesus. And when we take that drink, I want us to have a moment of thanks for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Well, I want us to do it together as Henry is moving through the crowd. Just raise your hand if you have yet to receive that and you would like that to make sure everybody can participate in this moment that would like to. We read in the book of Isaiah chapter 53 that with his stripes we are healed. It is literal healing in the physical body. It is also spiritual healing. It is mental healing. It is emotional healing. It's the access we have because of the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. And there's people in this room. I wonder if you just almost want to testify with the slip of your hand. Has God ever healed your body? Has God ever performed a healing? Look at around. God has done so many miracles in this place. There are people that have had skin conditions. There are people that have had cancers. There are people that have various diseases in their body that God has healed. You've come too late to try to dissuade me of the reality of the blood and body of Jesus Christ. It's real. And I want us right now together as a church. All right. Let's take partake together. And I want you to just remove every other thought that can be crowding your mind outside of this room right now. And I want you to just give God thanks. I want you to thank him for that blood. I want you to thank him for the breaking of his body and the shedding of blood and begin to just thank him and reverence him and appreciate him. God, I thank you for your blood. I thank you for your sacrifice. I thank you for dying for my sins. Lord, I I find that level of personal responsibility of why you died. Lord, you died for all, and I'm in part of all. I am part of those, God, that sinned against you, that denied you, that rejected you, that walked away from you, that lived in sin. But Jesus, you loved me. You've desired to have this moment with me. It's because of your blood I can have this sacred moment. 
It's because of your blood I can be joined with brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, I can have a reverence and appreciation, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I was lost. I was on my way to hell. I was so far gone from you. I was addicted. I was bound. My family, God, they were so far gone. Lord, bound by drugs, bound by alcohol, bound by perversion. But Jesus, your blood speaks better things. Lord, your spirit has given me a newness of life. I thank you, God, and I praise you. I thank you, God, and I worship you. Hallelujah. If, you're, if your family happens to be with you, I wonder if you could join around them and pray with them. If there's someone, your family's not here, I wonder if you could find someone else in the body of Christ here that you can join with. I want us to pray one for another and thank God one for another. I'm so thankful to be a part of the church. This church is not possible without the blood of Jesus. Come on, would you begin to thank God for your brother and sister? Go ahead and pray a blessing over them this year. There's power in your prayer. There's power in your voice. Pray a blessing over your spouse. Pray a blessing over your loved one. Pray a blessing over your children. God, I thank you, Jesus, for my family. God, I thank you for my children. I thank you for my wife. I thank you, God, for my kids. Lord, it's because of you, Lord. Every good gift. Every perfect gift I have comes from above. And Lord, I thank you for what you've given me. You've given me a precious gift, God. And Lord, I pray your blessing upon 2021. I pray God this year would be the best year for my family. I pray this year would be the best year for my marriage. I pray this year would be the greatest year, God, for the church. I pray this year, God, would have your blessing. I pray this year would have your favor. I pray this year would have your anointing, God. Lord, let your angels be encamped round about our home. Let your angels be encamped round about my family. I pray the blessing of the Lord. I pronounce it right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I love you, Jesus. Everything I have, it comes from you. Lord, every good gift, every perfect gift, Lord, you have blessed me with the desires of my heart. Oh, I thank you. Oh, let's clap our hands to Jesus. Let's thank him. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Hallelujah. As you place that cup back and you can make your way back to your seats. I want us to do something. This wasn't in the plan and agenda, but if if it's possible, if the music team would be able to come back up here, I That song, Everything and Nothing Less, I'd like us to sing that as a congregation before we are dismissed here today. I pray that this year would be a year that we give God everything and nothing less. I pray that as you hear this song, even if you can't sing, just say the words, pray the words, because we want to give God our very best this year. God deserves nothing less than our best. He gave us all. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave, he gave, he gave. Can we lift our hands for a moment? Can we begin to say thank you to Jesus? Come on, just thank him right now. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. I love you, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. 
Hallelujah to the name of Jesus. Come on, thank God for the blood. Thank him for his life. Thank him for his sacrifice. Thank him for the newness of life. Come on, it's a new year, church. Come on, let's start off with thanksgiving. Let's start off with appreciation. Let's start off with an expectation. Lord, this is how the... that this will be a year of miracle. This will be a year of harvest. It's the will of God. It's the will of God. He is the Lord of the harvest. And when we pray for the harvest and we pray that God sends laborers in the harvest, we are praying the will of God. When we pray, the Bible says God's not willing any should perish. And I claim the word, the promise of God's word for my life and for this church and for this year. Someone say in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.